Hi guys, Martin here. I just wanted to let you know that Niv's audio doesn't sound as good in the beginning of this episode, but gets better after about 14 minutes, so please stay with us. This episode is also the first one to feature chapter marks, so if they don't work on your device or whatever means you are using to listen to this podcast, please let us know at asteroidsinxl at gmail.com. Thank you so much and enjoy the show. How? We kind of went all over the place there. Yeah. How do we want to start this? <laughs> um, yeah, let's start with the, the classic introduction. Like, you know, hello. <laughs> <laughs> all right, you got you to gotta put that hello in. <laughs> And welcome to Season 2, Episode 6, or Episode 15, of Asteroids in Exile. I'm Niv. And I'm Martin. Hi, Martin. <laughs> and so we've got we've got another bumper episode, because we haven't caught up in y- yonks. It's been a, month, a long, long time. A month. Yeah, it's been, I think, a month or a little bit more. Uh, yeah. So a lot's happened in between, um, so we've got a lot to catch up on. So, I mean, all right, so, so let's do a quick overview of what we're going to talk about. So we've got a lot of the Comic-Con stuff that came out lots of trailers we get our our reaction to a few of those so some announcements some announcements a lot of tvs happening a lot of tv you've started a new tv show so we're going to talk about that yeah yeah <laughs> you're like wait which one was it <laughs> and then we'll, we'll 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 talk about spider-man homecoming as well because we haven't done a we haven't done a review or discussion about that one we haven't talked about that we really have talked about that not even in private so yeah, people will get a first reaction, a true first. This is reaction. actually the first time you and I talking in like a month. So yeah, I actually ended up getting sick for a week, so that took me out of commission for a while. <laughs> so yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna be able to record for a while, Martin. Uh, He's like, oh, great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, it's not. It's not like I had nothing to do. Oh um, yes, you've been busy on your side. I got my wife pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> now we have to make a room and and now- arrange for the new asteroid to enter the exile. Martin's the new asteroid entering exile. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> and yes, and you're also in the process of transitioning your man cave into a nursery. So that's that's good. that's that's an experience in itself. So, all right. And so I, I don't know if that leads into this next one, but uh, you've also gotten rid of your PS4 and games. Yeah, I, I I quit video games because of gamers. I I can't listen to people anymore talking about video games extensively well not not reviewers i still listen to to video game reviews but mm-hmm. in my in my social circle when people talk about video games it's like uh, they are talking about going into the office <laughs> talking about talking about their work and you can really um you really feel that they are struggling with what they are playing like um struggling with the grind of of modern games yeah. uh and and uh it made me think uh, how how I interact with uh, games these days on an, on an emotional basis. And uh, over the last couple of months, I've been spending a lot of time in front of the, the emulator station I built myself for old Nintendo games, old Sega games mm-hmm. and stuff. And I enjoy those much, much more than, let's say, modern games like um, Horizon Zero Dawn which I, I quit after the tutorial when I when the world opened up and also the inventory opened up and all the stuff I had to get to build a new a new satchel and and things and I thought it's not gaming to me any anymore I mean I, st- I still I still dig modern games and what modern games do 
but I decided to take a break from from modern gaming, especially after the uh, announcement of the new Xbox mm-hmm. and uh, Sony's broken promise of yeah yeah you can play all the the old uh, all the new games on your on your PS4 as well. Uh, when in reality you should get a PS4 Pro and a new TV set to to fully to get the full experience. Yeah, I mean it's always going to be. I mean that was one of the things, right? So. Um, the full experience, you mean like the full 4K HDR? Yeah, to really get or, uh, to to see what was, or, or to to get an example of what was intended during yeah. the game's creation. So, like just running it at like a lower lower um, res- resolution and without HDR, you're like, I'm missing out here. Like it's this is this is this is not the experience that the developers intended. Yeah, it feels like we're getting a. During a generation, we are getting uh, first-tier and second-tier customers. Yeah, I was just going to say, so is that like creating a class system? Yeah, a class system, thank you. you know, I class d- system of- don't feel comfortable with supporting supporting this kind of business. Class system. Yeah. yeah, as in like the experience should be the same. Yeah. Do you think, I mean, is, is that analogous somehow to movies in terms of like whether you watch something in 3D or 2D or IMAX versus... Like a standard presentation, to a degree, but um, because Dunkirk has like eighty different uh, versions being shown on different screens, and oftentimes you don't live in the vicinity to to an IMAX theater. I mean, here in, mm-hmm. I think in Vienna we have two compatible screens. I'm not sure. I have to verify that 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 number, but there there are certain uh limitations due to uh, proximity of the the venue so i guess it's kind kind of the same not the same mm. yeah it'll be interesting to see where where it goes because you're right i mean now we've got it used to be that when you bought a xbox or a playstation or a nintendo everyone who had the, that system got the same experience and at least for the where, next eight years yeah whereas now it is splitting and then you've also got vr on top of that yeah right which is coming. I wonder whether, I mean, cause the other thing I'm thinking about is PCs, PC gamers have always had that sense of like fracturing of the different experiences based on what graphics card they had and what their system was capable of. So different people playing the same game would have also had a slightly different experience. And so the, the challenge for developers when it came to PC gaming was they had to develop for all of those different combinations. Yeah. And I remember like you would run the you would run the kind of the test to see how good your system was and then you'd have to play play the game at that level, you know? And it's almost like console gaming is coming into that arena now. So it's it's weird. I think on one hand it could be that there's now more choice. Like if you're a casual gamer and you don't need a 4K HDR experience, then there is an option for you. Uh, and on the other hand, if you're the kind of person who wants to have the higher I don't know, they're calling it professional, but, you know, professional gamer. Yeah. It doesn't really make sense to me unless you're playing competitively and getting paid for it. Uh, <laughs> then, um, yeah, you, you can you can get a higher quality experience, I guess. But it is it is it is strange to think about. And the other thing, you know, and I, so that's one aspect of it. The other aspect that you mentioned was like how complicated the games are now. Like yeah. my favorite games are games that you could just jump into and within like 10, 15 minutes get a hold of what the what you're trying to do in the game and then start having fun 
Whereas now the learning curve, you could dedicate like at least three or four hours to get into the game, understand how the inventory system works. And then there's the, these open world games and like, I don't have time for that. Like, you know, it's just, so I was going to, so, so, so like there's the learning curve and also the time requirement to dedicate to these things, which I guess you're short on as well, right? Yeah. And, and people don't, um, you know, when you talk with other people about games, it's, 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 Like talking about work, it's it's not about uh, the fun experiences anymore. Mm -hmm. It's just comparing. Or, or um, when I listen to a few guys at work who play Destiny, they're, just, they're, they're not talking about the game anymore. It's just game stats and what this YouTuber said and that YouTuber said and what's on this blog and on that blog. And uh, they don't talk about their personal experience. And it feels like those games are lacking the, the personal experience. You can't, you can't connect to them, especially in the case of Destiny, which has a, a great backstory. You can read those uh, Grimoire cards or, or there, there's some, the, the lore is, is uh, hidden in, in, in some extra cards you can um, unlock. And you can read those online. And there are some great ideas in the game that don't get developed in any way, shape or form. And and that's yeah. the thing that I'm 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 missing. The the aforementioned uh, Horizon has uh, a, a a story. Yeah, a story in the uh, story mode. You can you can have a, or you you have a personal uh, connection in that in that game, but it's get it gets shortened due to the the the, the vastness of the the open world and yeah. just the the, re the the resource management. And then I, I looked at, at at my shelf and I, I bought Persona Five. For, for some reason because I was told it's it's good and it's, and it's still sitting along Dark Souls 3 in the original packaging you know in the in the in the right. wrapping in the in the plastic oh, yeah. wrapper yeah. you haven't broken it open yeah so so I thought well, what why am I doing the last game I I I really and thoroughly enjoyed on on a on a console was Assassin's Creed 2 and the the add-ons and the the Arkham games except for Arkham Knight those were the, the last good experiences I had uh, with triple A video games so I thought wow. get, let's get let's get rid of it yeah yeah so and so you don't have any consoles now no I kept my I kept my PS3 because of Shadow of the Colossus and uh, Journey yeah and I have the emulation station on my on my TV Because Nintendo won't uh, produce the the NES Mini, and the, the, the Super Nintendo is already sold out everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> just mind-boggling. Could just print money with that stuff. It's really strange. Okay, so that's the end. I've got my PlayStation. I haven't played it in about three months, <laughs> so yeah. I might have to go down the path that you went down. But I'm like halfway through. What am I halfway through? I've got the new Tomb Raider, which I haven't opened yet, because yeah. I'm I've made a commitment to not open a new game until I finish the previous game. So I played, you know, I, I I've only really got three games. We've got Battlefield One, which I enjoyed playing, and and I think that was because it's kind of like a drop-in shooter. Just kind of you don't have to you don't have to learn and craft too much before you can start having fun. No, just dive in. Yeah, and but and then so I only started playing that when I first got it, right? So that's when Battlefield One and Uh, stuff first came out uh, and then I currently have been playing the last of us but because it's a story I just I just haven't had the time to go back like there's just too much going on because it's summertime in Chicago now which is when the sun's out everyone's outside having you know having fun so and the you know and the other thing is you know, my excuse 
I thought the winter was going to be really bad because that's what everyone says about Chicago winters. And I thought I'm going to be stuck in my apartment. But turned out the winter was great. Uh, <laughs> the weather was awesome. It snowed like three times. So it wasn't like a thing at all. Uh, and then so I didn't end up playing games. And so I think for us as casual gamers, yeah, there's a lot of politics and it's a whole world to enter into. I mean, this isn't a gaming podcast, but, you, you know, there are clearly dedicated channels. And and like you said, you know, there's a lot of um, other stuff happening in the gaming world rather than people just having fun playing games, which is uh, which is what distracts. And it's my it's my boggling. It, yeah. Strange things. Yeah. yeah. Strange indeed. So. Well, now that you don't have video games, I guess you can spend more time doing other things. So I heard you've been watching a new TV show. Yeah, I started um, <laughs> watching Supergirl because right. of you, your recommendation. Now, okay, go on. Um, <laughs> Before I defend myself. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. I've, I've, um, I don't know how deep I am. Callista Flockhart is still in the show, so I guess I'm still in season one. I think she leaves the show with season two. Uh, and it's uh, it's a better show than I anticipated. It's it's a it's a nice thing to uh, have on in 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 the background, but it's like with all the 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 current DC shows, they look great and they have great ideas, but I'm not really down on the on the execution. I wonder how the the next level uh, Legends of Tomorrow season is going to work out because I there there was Buana Beast in the in the teaser, so they. they they're bringing out everybody who, who means nothing in the DC universe to, to yeah. please guys like me. Uh, <laughs> so, so you you're just about you said you just finished season one or you? I think I think I'm, I I finished season one. Okay. To admit I haven't watched it in the last couple of weeks because a few things come in between, few uh, new shows. And is that something you watch with shows. Susie as well, or is it just just you? Uh, we started watching together, but right. you know then 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 our entertainment parts drifted apart <laughs> diverge yeah. i think because and the reason why i asked that is i think i think that's where supergirl is really great i think i actually quit all those shows so all I know, the dc like, shows I, or all the superhero all the all the cw dc stuff like i was watching flash and arrow and legends of tomorrow i wasn't really a massive supergirl fan until they had the crossover episodes and it's because Arrow and Flash just kept on getting not so much darker and darker, but like more monotonous. Like it was all, it just felt like the same thing over and over. Like they just brought another random D-grade bad guy to do something. And like the fun of those shows went away. Whereas Supergirl, what was cool and what I enjoyed about the episodes that I watched was it was still fun. She yes. was still positive. And She's I think that's- fun with her powers. Yeah, whereas like, oh, the Flash is always super guilty. I change time. Everyone, everyone's like, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm always doing the bad things. And then Oliver Queen's always like, he's just so brooding. You know, because <laughs> tomorrow, I didn't know. I just kind of lost track of that show anyway. But that's what I that's what I enjoyed about Supergirl is she had that sense of fun. And, and like you said, she enjoyed being a hero, whereas everyone else was just feeling so much of they were get, getting so emo about it. And that's what's keeping me with the show. Well, I fi- what I think is annoying that they have this um, secret organization that monitors all the aliens. Yeah, that's what I think is is a, a big the big letdown of of Supergirl. They shouldn't go all all global. Just do um do more of a, a Lois and Clark show. This was the that was the yeah. first thing I saw when I, uh, Dean Kane is in the show in Supergirl. Is it Dean Kane? Really? He plays a stepdad. Oh, does he? I, yeah. I didn't see. I didn't even see that. <laughs> and I thought, that's yeah, cool, he, when I saw him, I thought, yeah, bring it, bring it back a bit. Make it about Supergirl, not this global thing. Just yeah. have, have fun. And I think that's also where it works really well. And so, like, when I 
when I recommend shows to my friends and they ha- and and they watch it with their girlfriends or wives or whatever because it's so much more of a positive show and it's got a bit more like about the like you said the smaller scale the the relationships are a lot more interesting yeah yeah it, it you know they they really enjoy it um and it's a, it's a great way to sort of spend time and bond over a superhero show you know <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see as you continue as it goes because i think by season 1 she still hasn't done a lot of crossover with the dc was sorry with the cw shows no. whereas no. as we go forward she ends up meeting the flash and then she gets drawn in because it the show goes from being a cbs show yeah to a to a C, to a cw show so it'll be I, and so since then i don't know what happened because that's around the time where the flash was facing off against his fourth speedster wearing black and i'm like oh how many times can they do this so i just kind well, of lost track of it did it a lot in the comics so yeah the whole sabotage storyline yeah but at the same time like he wasn't in the first seasons of the flash he was having so much of fun yeah like he was enjoying being the flash and uh it was it, he was positive whereas by the time we get to season three or four like he's feeling so guilty about so much and he can no longer have the fun of being a superhero. And that's around the time when I started tuning out. Cause I'm like, Oh, I don't need to see another brooding hero. I've got Oliver Queen and he was not going anywhere with his broodingness, you know? So anyway, it's, it's interesting. So it'll be, you know, if you do continue, keep us updated on what you think of that. I'll do. But because I've, I've, I've ducked out <laughs> and as a great segue, <laughs> one thing I'm really excited about, <laughs> which I'm, even more excited because apparently this teaser episodes is the new DuckTales show. So that was my little joke to segue between ducking out. And An amazing segue. An amazing I, was, segue. I, was, I just experienced proportions. I yeah. came out with that just, just, just now. <laughs> that's, the level, that's, the, that's the level I'm working at right now, Martin. <laughs> so DuckTales, you've seen it. Yeah. You've seen it a few hours ago. What do you think? It's a great show. It's neat. It feels like the, the old cartoon. The characters have been updated without feeling forced to to a degree. The animation style is is great. I mean, I don't see the the Don Rosa or Carl Barks comparison to the artwork, but that's just me. But I like uh, I like the style of the show. The humor is uh, well done, and yeah, please watch it. Don't stop the podcast. Watch it afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> There are teaser episodes out and they're like a minute each or two minutes each. And they're so well done because each of those teaser episodes feels like you've watched a 20-minute episode of An of actual show. episode? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. So, um, you know, I'm super excited just because of the nostalgic value of this. Like, I used to watch, I used to watch DuckTales as a kid. And it's not that I have fond memories of DuckTales-specific storylines or episodes, but just the sense of fun and adventure is what I'm looking forward to. Because again, you know, I'm not getting that out of the CW show, so I'm put all of them. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm like, and so it's like a, a, a combination of looking, looking for that feeling. So it'll be cool to see. It'll be great if they can capture that with this new, with this new season. And it sounds like from what you've experienced with the teaser episodes that it does. Yeah, they do with the first two episodes. And is that available? And like, where are those teasers? Are they just on YouTube? Or? They're on the internet. They're on the internet. Okay, so look. <laughs> so search the internet yeah. and you shall find them. <laughs> I, if they're, uh, so hold on. Put it in the show notes if they're, if they're available on, on, on YouTube. I, I got okay. them through a friend. Okay, say no more. Yeah. So moving on then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so apparently there's also, um, in terms of teaser episodes, there's also... 
Ant-Man yeah. animated short episodes out there. Yeah, but I don't know if if Ant-Man gets his own show in the in the Avengers Assemble thing or something like that. I just saw the the teaser episodes. <laughs> they're, and they're they're really funny too. And the animation style is interesting because they go I don't know how they, the 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 coloring the coloring style is called when you, they when you just got the dots. Pointillism? I mean, yeah, something like that. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, uh, it's great little uh, vignettes about him going to his daughter's. Yeah, he has the daughter in the in the comics too, but it focuses on the on the movie version of of Ant Man, and he goes to the science festival, uh, the science fair at his daughter's school, yeah. and meets Yellow Jacket there, and they have a fight. So does yeah. this fit into like the larger Marvel universe thing, or is it just a part of the animated I universe? I think it's part of the animated universe, but right. borrows from the movie continuity. Oh right, okay. yeah, and it's it's real fun. It's not as much fun as as, as Ducktales, but those yeah. Marvel animated shows are generally very good, very good shows. And I think Ant Man lends itself exceptionally well to that yeah. good concept because the character is much more lighthearted. I think okay. it more than, than Avengers Assemble or um, the Spider-Man show that was recently on because that got uh, annoying after after a while. I I think I don't know what it's called or what it was was called Ultimate Spider-Man and then uh, Rise of the Sinister, Sinister Six or something like that. Um yeah, so I think it, I think Ultimate Spider-Man was was sort of the umbrella show and then they had different storylines within that. I I believe because I watched the first season I think of of ultimate spider-man which was a while ago now because that's when he had the team he had like iron fist and uh yeah power, power man, man and white tiger and white tiger yeah. yeah yeah i was gonna say black cat but it was white tiger <laughs> right or silver sable <laughs> yeah i thought that was i thought that show was pretty good it was a little bit juvenile like it was a little bit kitty but it was fun yeah it was fun it was exciting yeah and there was a, a neat doctor strange episode somewhere in between Around yeah. when the movie came out, uh, of course. Funnily enough. Yeah. But what I didn't see with that is, I mean, at some point, like, uh, Miles Morales comes in and they, they do, like, a like a Spider-Verse. Like, he goes into, like, he goes into, like, the multi-dimensional Spider-Verse or whatever, and he meets the other versions of Spider-Man. And because Miles, Miles shows up. With, uh, so I'm a big Miles Morales fan, so be, I would have liked to have seen that, but I just never got that far into it. Because I couldn't just skip that episode, you know. I have to watch everything in sequence, so of course, yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> hey, I take this seriously, okay? <laughs> it's not just a hobby. <laughs> so, with the um, with the Ant Man thing, is that going to be like a part of? Uh, is is Ant Man going to get his own show? Or? I I don't know. I haven't heard anything uh, since from it. I just got the announcement that there are going to be some some episodes out there, and I don't know if Disney is testing the waters if the no. show is gonna gonna stick. Oh, well, so maybe that's another good segue into the next topic, which is Disney's um, streaming service and yeah. sort of the fan being hit with Netflix. <laughs> so we had a couple of like big, big things there, which was the Disney licensing agreement with Netflix is going to be expired. It's going to come to an end in 2019. So Netflix is going to lose a lot of the Disney content. So they've got like uh, all the Star Wars movies and stuff. Well, they've got a lot of the Star Wars stuff now. But that's all going to go away because Disney will soon be starting off their own streaming service. So that'll be yet another streaming service that you're going to have to pay for. But Disney changed the announcement about the Star Wars and Marvel stuff. So I think that's... Did they change the announcement? Because I did hear that Netflix was still in negotiation yeah. with Disney and uh, for Bob... keeping some of that content. Yeah, and Bob Iger said, or Iger said something about the Pixar stuff being moved away and they left the Star Wars stuff out. And the first... Right. The, the first thing 
a rumor that surfaced when when the announcement was made was that we're gonna get a, a live action Star Wars series that's gonna be made available exclusively through the the Disney streaming service. Yeah, I mean, for Disney, I can really see it's a balance between several things, right? I mean, they 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 have enough content for themselves to start their own streaming service and have that be like a massive a massive thing. Like you just can't not have it because it's going to have so much. It's going to have all the Marvel stuff. It's going to have all of the Star Wars stuff. It's going to have all the Disney stuff, which in itself is a massive catalog. So they've got enough content to host their own streaming service. But at the same time, for a lot of their properties and IP, like you look at Star Wars, they probably, they, they make more money through merchandising than they do through the movies and the content itself. So that's almost something where in order to keep the merchandising engine going, they would license that out to other people. So it, so you keep your brand awareness uh, in as many places as possible. And so you keep on selling the toys, but at the same time, you want to have enough of a, of a draw for people to subscribe to your own streaming service as well. And so I, I, I can see that Disney will reach a compromise where they won't just keep everything for themselves from a streaming point of view, but for those big properties that have match, massive merchandising appeal, they will still have it on Netflix and other places. And I wonder if Disney's original plan wasn't to to buy Netflix until Netflix announced that it's like twenty billion dollars in debt. Yeah, but I think you know that's that's Netflix seeing the writing on the wall. Like one of the the quotes that I had from um, I guess the Netflix side was they started going down the route of creating their own original content five years ago because they knew eventually this was what's going to happen. Yeah, and so I you know Netflix took on that debt. They took on that risk because they they said we need to create our own material, right? So they're they're willing to wear that debt for now, and it's you know it's really interesting because I've been watching this um this set of uh, talks by Simon Sinek. I don't know if you I've mentioned Simon Sinek before, maybe, but he's a uh, he's kind of like one of my favorite philosophers. He does a lot of talks around how business and organizations work, but he looks at it from the view of human psychology and biology as well. And one of the things that, I mean, so I mean, if, if you haven't heard of Simon Sinek, there's a great video called Start With Why, yeah. How Great Leaders Inspire Action, I believe is the, uh, is the subtitle. And so, I mean, his stuff's all generally about leadership and what being a leader means. And it's fascinating. Like, it's great because, like I said, it combines human anthropology <laughs> with the way our biological systems work to understand behavior and then how to create the types of behaviors that we want in society and organizations. Like I said, it's fantastic. Anyway, <laughs> why I bring it up is um, his most recent set of, uh, I guess, content that's out there and also the, the new book that will come out soon, I'm sure, is, uh, is about game theory. And he's, he's, looking at, um, he's looking at infinite games versus finite games. And so finite games are defined as where the game has an end. And at the end of the game, there's going to be a winner. And so baseball, for example, is a finite game, is the example that he uses. So like any sport where there's established rules is a finite game, whereas infinite games don't have a clear sense of rules. And the objective of the game is not to win, but to outlast the competitor. Yep. And the key thing with infinite games is that there's always going to be the only, you know, You need to outlast your competitor because eventually your competitor or you will run out of resources and will drop out of the game. And then whoever's left in the infinite game will have to face new competitors that come up. <laughs> so he talks about how 
business sees itself as a finite game. They're always trying to beat the competition and win. But it's actually an infinite game because, you know, it's more about outlasting the competition and continuing to innovate in that way rather than beating anyone because the timescales, you know, are arbitrary. Baseball and uh, soccer have a time limit. There's, you know that it's going to end eventually, so you just need to make sure you get to the end of the game. Whereas something like Netflix is they're taking a much more longer-term view of things. They're not trying to win the year or win a certain um, time period. They're saying, we're, we're willing to go into this debt now because we know that in 10 years, the landscape's going to look con- going to look massively different and we we need to set ourselves up for that. So they're playing at a much different level to to the way we expect them to play, which is why the $20 billion debt, I think, feels so scary. But at the same time, they're managing the risk that, you know, in five years, if we can continue to grow our subscriber base and if we can continue with the trend that, that we're in now, we'll be able to manage that debt. Yeah. It, 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 I mean, I don't know how it's going to turn out, obviously, but it's interesting to think about it in those terms. No, it could be. And, and uh, with their... With broadening their viewer base, they can um, attract licensed material. Like with Disney, you don't have to grow an audience. I mean, Disney can grow an audience, but smaller publishers that would need to invest serious money to have a viewer base as large as the Netflix one can just bring their, their product to the table, still earn something, but get the exposure as well. Yeah, and like you're starting to see that now. So I think even... Um Uh, the director of District 9, I forgot his name. Uh, Neil Blomkamp. Neil, yeah, you're right, Neil Blomkamp. So he's he started making these short movies, yeah. um, you know, which are really interesting because he's effectively trying to break ground, right? So he's trying to say, you know what, let's just do these short, quick and dirty movies. I mean, they're really high production quality anyway, but he's saying, let's try to work out what, what's going to work, what's not going to work, and we'll find the next big thing that way. And I think that that's really awesome. And so you, you look at... It allows artists like that to do that experimental and innovative work. And then Netflix can be the platform because they're already so huge. All they need to do at this stage is keep the subscribers they already have by providing fresh content so people don't feel like they need to leave. Because Disney, the new uh, D- DC streaming channel, and I guess yeah, Warner yeah, yeah. Brothers is going to yeah. create its own streaming channel as well. They're all trying to grow. They're, they're going to have to start from scratch, whereas Netflix already has millions of people globally on, on, on their um, platform. And it's about making sure that they can retain those people and it, um, have enough content and incentive for new people to come in. And so as long as they can do that, I think that's pretty much the game for them. You know, With Warner Brothers, I think that's it's one of the, not the stupidest ideas, but the... the an idea that they should have meditated about a little bit longer because the only hook they're having for their streaming platform is um, Young Justice Season 3 and the Teen Titans live-action show. Yeah. To be honest, out of those two, I'm expecting the Teen Titans live-action show to disappoint me. Yeah. I mean, they're going to have Starfire in that show, right? Yeah. I don't know how they're going to do Starfire. Yeah. Like, unless they spend, like, un- unless they've got a movie budget, it's going to be really cheap. It's, and that's just going to annoy me. <laughs> and it, that's the same thing with the Japanese tokusatsu shows like Kamen Rider or Super Sentai. They set up a lot of stuff, CGI heavy stuff and expensive stuff in the first few episodes. And all those things are so um, important for the story. And they disappear three or four episodes in because yeah. they have to, to save budget, but, you know, real people in. 
that that's always disappointing me and i think the same will go for the as you've mentioned the teen titan show yeah because i mean i don't know how they're gonna keep that going like and then uh, do they have beast boy as well i don't know Uh, i haven't followed the news about the show i just uh heard about starfire people getting all pumped up because starfire and dick grayson are, are in the show yeah I mean that'll be interesting. I'm I'll I'll watch it, but I know it's gonna be like, yeah. ugh, it's gonna be it's not gonna be like where I'm at with the Flash now. The first season might be interesting, but after that I'm just gonna be like, ugh, <laughs> you know, I don't know, I don't know. Keep an open mind. But Young Justice season three is gonna be yeah. is that that's what would draw me in. Like that's that's the one, the only show that would draw me in at this point. It's gonna be the bee's knees, and th- there's yeah so much good stuff coming out that's going to be competing with uh, Teen Titans or, or, or Justice League. I mean, alone, if you count the next few months. Yeah, Defenders next week. You have Stranger Things Season 2, the new Star Trek show. Those are is, Oh, that's coming out in September, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Like at the end of September. Three big hits. And I think, I don't know, the Star Trek Star Discovery is going to be available through Netflix. And the... CBS? CBS All Access. Or yeah, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that's going to be weird because I think it's going to be available in Netflix everywhere else except America. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in yeah. America, it'll be on CBS All Access. So that's that's why sometimes, you know, every time I go back to Australia and I'm like, Netflix is so much better in Australia. Really? <laughs> you guys get everything, whereas we have we have it split between all those d- different providers and it just drives me crazy. So there is an upside to have uh, Netflix oh, outside yeah. of the US. Yeah, like you guys, because... Because there's no CBS All Access in Austria or like Europe, right? Yeah. So they just license it out to Netflix because they're not losing anything. But at the same time, it's like all the Netflix subscribers here will have to get CBS All Access if they want to watch that. I guess you're going to have to let me know how it is and then I'll work out whether it's worth me. Yeah, because I mean, I'm at the stage now where I still pay for cable. So maybe it'll be on CBS here. I don't, I, I don't know if it'll even be on TV, but... Like on demand or whatever. But. We're getting we're getting uh, subscription services for shows like Sky Europe is offering an, a subscription ser- service for Game of Thrones, so you can only watch Game of Thrones. Seriously? Yeah. No, that that would be much better because I'd rather pay for the. I mean, depending on how much it's going to cost per month, right? But I'd rather pay for the individual shows I want to watch rather than pay for everything and then not watch like ninety percent of it. Yeah. But looking at the, the the cable deals here, I'm like on the fence about cord cord cutting. And moving straight to a digital subscription style model, I'm still doing the maths. I haven't been to, been able to make it work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and the situation in the US is is even more complex than than here in Europe because we have uh, you have cable TV and you have satellite TV. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And you 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 buy your package, but but then I yeah. got a satellite dish. And classic classic TV is just for when I'm alone and I need somebody to talk to me. And I don't have, and I'm not in the mood for a podcast. Then, yeah. then I'll turn on TV and let some documentary or some social porn run in the in the background. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I generally don't watch live TV at all, like I, I, except for like the news. That's the only thing that you know maybe I'll, I'll tune in for. But the rest is is dead. It's dead. Oh, it's just, and so much of tr- yeah. There's a lot of trash. A lot of trash. Yeah. Just going, you know. So finishing off the Netflix side of things, yeah. you know, I think. That's also why, you know, you're starting to see Netflix is being a little bit more intentional, maybe, because I think they threw a lot of money at a lot of shows very fast over the last couple of years. But now they're starting to sort of take the foot off the accelerator a little bit. So, you know, with Sense8, you know, they decided not to move forward with that. And they are going to have a two hour, I think, like a movie to close off the story. Yeah. 
And I think that's good. Um, Did I tell you I watched uh, the whole series? I finished the whole so you series. Finish, yeah. You finished season two? Yeah. I'm like halfway through season two and I'm struggling yeah. because I feel this is really dragging. The plot, the pacing of the plot is just so slow. Like I watch one episode and I feel like I've been sitting there for three hours and I'm like, come on, you know. And this is even though like it's beautiful to watch because <laughs> I can watch it in 4K HDR. Like it's great. It's like one of the best looking shows in tv but at the same time it's like go somewhere you know <laughs> yeah the show is not going anywhere yeah you're absolutely right there are too many characters it tries to be so many things all at once and while it's beautiful in in, in trying to be that show uh it's also it's its biggest failing and i mean the thing that drives me crazy they're being hunted there should there should be a sense of urgency associated with being hunted by an organization that wants nothing but the destruction of your species and your what you are. But they spend so much of time having sex. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like bastards. seriously, people, how many slow shots of like ass walking towards another person in a pool and then like doing the same scene across three different continents? I'm like, okay. You know, we've done it once. Can we just move on and get to the urgency? Because every episode, there's like they spend so they spend like twenty minutes doing this that kind of scene, and you're like, Ugh, this is not going anywhere. Just get to BPO already, you know? Yeah. But then finish, so anyway, that's finish uh, season two. Okay, it's 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 worth it's worth to get to the end. Yeah, the, I mean, now that we know that there's uh, a definitive ending to this, there's gonna be a definitive ending to the story. It's worth going going all the way. Okay. All right. Well, I just had the Pride Parade episode, so hopefully I'm close to the end of season two. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, 12 episodes or 10 episodes. Oh, really? Because yeah. I think I'm up to like seven now. I don't know. So hopefully it's, yeah. But anyway, the thing is, like, I just need to get through it. And it's, again, like one of those things where I'm so stretched for time that I really have to make choices about, is this where I want to spend the next hour, you know? Yeah. So I'm just trying to get through it so I can move on to other stuff. Because I heard the Ozark, or just... Ozark on Netflix is also really good. And it's, apparently, uh, if you're a Breaking Bad fan, it's it's kind of in that vein, but it's got its own spin. So that's one that I think uh, I want to look into next. So cool. And then, um, yeah, so that, that's pretty much our Netflix roundup, right? We talked about Castlevania earlier, which I watched just before getting sick and then had fever dreams about vampires and demons attacking me. So... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> we'll p you can put that in the bonus material. <laughs> I won't have to relive that now. <laughs> it's gonna be in there. Don't worry. It's already decided. All right. So shall we move on to? Um, so should we do trailers next, or should we should we move on to movies and do a review of uh, Spider Man Homecoming? Let's do thoughts and reactions. Let's do our review. We haven't reviewed yeah. anything in such a long time. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go in depth. Let's go back to Spider Man. All right. So do you want to kick off? What do you think? Just initial reactions to Spider-Man. The initial reaction is very, was very good because it's it's a modern it's a a, a modern take on on the figure. Yeah. It could be more modern, you know, with not Harold Her Glover. Danny, no, he's not Danny Glover. The I know Afro American actor. I can't remember his name. <laughs> I was gonna play uh, Donald Glover. Donald course. Glover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was uh, like Daniel Glover, <laughs> the Glover guy. Uh, he should have been Spider Man or a Miles Morales thing, I think, because he was so fucking charming in that movie. Even in in, in the short time we we in the him. in the like yeah, yeah. The, like two, two scenes he was in. He was uh, <laughs> you know, that guy, he just oozed. Uh, 
acting off the screen <laughs> off the screen no but it's, it's a great movie and i saw it with a great crowd a lot of girls in in um in marvel t-shirts but not in spider-man t-shirts but hulk t-shirts oh cool and yeah. they seem to be massive geeks because uh you know they they threw around uh <laughs> inside baseball jokes it was just so great. It was I was amazed by watching the audience react react yeah, right. to, to the things happening on screen. That's cool. So it was a, 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 a great a great viewing. Uh, but my brother, uh, yesterday, my brother made me aware of a of a big story hole plot hole in the movie <laughs> that I didn't yeah. uh, realize in the cinema. But yeah, it's a great movie. As we mentioned earlier, uh, Michael Keaton is is great in it. Oh, Michael Keaton was fantastic. I mean, I think I think the acting general overall, like Tom Holland, I think as Spider-Man was awesome. I going back to what you were saying before, I thought it was modern and it was fresh. I think it was a great balance of those two things. I love the perspective on how they how from Spider-Man's point of view, the Avengers seem to be like grown-ups who just just don't get it and are a little bit uncool. Like they're cool, but they're also like they're just like adults and they're just like, oh, you know. <laughs> and that was a great perspective. Yeah, I loved the Captain America, like the TV uh, spots or the kind of like the high school announcement videos he was making. <laughs> it's like, how many of these do I have to do? You know, like it was just, it was just, just great to show like how like when we look at Captain America, we're like seeing the Avenger and now like almost the um, the, the the Rebel Avenger, you know, who's like standing up and like doing all these things. But like kids in high school, who's just like, don't do drugs. You know? Yeah, <laughs> that was really awesome. And the sports um, teacher saying, why do, why are we still showing these videos? He's like, uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> isn't he a criminal? Now? Isn't he a criminal? <laughs> <laughs> so great. <laughs> and even Iron Man, like who who is like Robert Downey Jr. Obviously was um was was great in the small um scenes that he was in. But even being seen as like an adult who just doesn't get it, like obviously, like you know, you can just feel the 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 adolescent frustration from Spider-Man's side. It's like, why why does he treat me like a kid as he jumps on the bed? You know, like I think I thought some of that that scene actually I thought was a little bit forced. But at the same time, I thought the the overall theme of how you know you got a kid trying to assert his personality and individuality and prove himself, but being held back by these like adult figures i thought that was that was played out really well and then also like peter learning learning that sense of responsibility and like learning what it's what it means to become spider-man i thought was played out really well it wasn't as ham-fisted as it was in the previous movies and it was ham-fisted in the previous movies because we knew that it was going to happen like we you know we knew oh how many times does uncle ben have to die you know um whereas here i'm glad they skipped over a lot of that they alluded to some of it but they they made Peter learn those lessons in other ways, and like the decision. And so you know this is going to be spoilers now. The part of it that didn't work for me was the ending, because everything leading up to that was so good. Like there's that scene where Peter's on the rooftop at the party, and he looks, and so you know he's he's been told by Tony Stark and the other heroes that if you go down this path, you're going to have to make sacrifices, you know, like you, you know, and so he's on the rooftop of the party and he can, you know, so he sees the crash in the background and he's like, I've got to be Spider-Man and go there. Then he looks down at his friends in the party. He's like, well, I also want to be in the party. Like I also want to have that experience, but he makes a choice to be Spider-Man in, in that moment, which is, 
which is telling, you know, and I think that happens maybe probably another two or three times in the course of the movie where he has to make the choice between being Peter Parker and the kid or being Spider-Man. And he chooses Spider-Man at every junction. You know, it's great, great storytelling and character development or revelation, you know, in, in the course of that. But in the end, when Tony Stark gives him the um, gives him the opportunity to actually become Spider-Man in its final stage, he doesn't take it. And I was like, that didn't gel for me. Really? Yeah. I mean, so the flip side of, of, of maybe what they were trying to do is that is maybe at that moment he realizes that he's not ready. Right. And that's why I mean, because that's why he shouldn't take it. And that's why Tony Stark and stuff was like, maybe that was a good decision. And, but the journey that Peter was going on was all about learning and proving that he is ready. And so I think the ending to me, like the landing was a bit of a stumble. It didn't quite work. Like, I think if Peter was going to go down the path where he was going to refuse, he needed to have more of a loss. I think his, his victory at the end was almost too good because he didn't come away from it thinking that he had anything else to prove or anything else to learn. Yeah. Maybe I missed something. Because I think the 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 reason why he ref- and because I've only seen it once and I loved it when I saw it right, but the the reason why he walks away is because he's got a you know it gives the audience the feeling that he feels that he's not ready either that or he's just being a total smartass with Tony Stark and being like you know it's <laughs> kind of like like a massive fu, but I feel that it wasn't set up to be convincing enough that after making the, the decision to be Spider Man at every moment and every junction. And then it working out well and him almost proving that he should be Spider-Man when given the option to become Spider-Man. He doesn't. He chooses not to. And then he smiles about it at the end, too. Like, this is all you've ever wanted, you know? I don't know. What's your take? Um, you know, I felt like um, I think that at the end, he also realized that he was in over his head with the <clears throat> sorry with the situation uh, with the vulture. Mm-hmm. And he realized that maybe he's not ready to step up to um, to become an Avenger, to become Spider-Man's final form, and rather um, practice or, or, or stay stay a part of the community. Yeah, that that Spider-Man is. I mean, that's the biggest strength of the of the character in the comics. That he works well in the in the team environment. That, that spans the whole globe. I mean, yeah, and the Spider-Man comic is become Iron Man now, effectively. Oh, but if you the Iron Spider thing, yeah. But if you go back to the to the old comic books, um, he's much more of a a neighborhood Spider-Man, you know, with all the 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 the, the errors um, and then shortcomings that come with it, as we see in the in the movie when he gets the guy off the bike uh for example or the guy who breaks into his own car which he accidentally uh towards i think that as well uh, as well as with with tom holland given his age this environment works better for the character at this stage than him going going global so to say it came a bit out of the i didn't anticipate him to to say to say no to the offer to join the avengers but it was a, a pleasant surprise. Yeah, it, it felt it felt more natural. Really, to me. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm. I don't know. Maybe I do want to watch it again. I mean, because I 
thoroughly enjoyed it, except for like, I, th- I thought that that character decision at the end, and that's from a, like a writing slash story point of view as well. Yeah. I was really playing clo- close attention to how they were going to tell that story uh, or trying to. <laughs> um, yeah, it's an interesting one because the thing is at the end of the day, we know he's going to end up in Avengers three, you know, <laughs> like he's going to be there. Yeah. So it's almost like, uh, I agree with you in that it'll be much, it makes more sense. I agree with you in that the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is where he works best in the sense of like being a part of that community, being a part of, you know, having that maybe the scale is smaller, but with where he is and who he is, that's where he can have the biggest impact. And so I think what would have been the way I, the changes I I would make effectively was in the way his interaction uh, with the vulture goes is that, he manages to stop the vulture and stop the bad things from happening, but does it in a way that he, he actually does lose some things like he's, he, he needs to come to realize that this is way over his head. Like, I guess what I'm trying to say is he, obviously because he's the hero of the movie, he has to defeat the bad guy, right? So he has to win that battle, but he shouldn't level up as a character. Leveling up means that if he, you know, Leveling up means he, he he joins the Avengers because he's proven that he can work at that level. Because once you have proven that you can work at that level, then why would you go back? It's like getting, you know, it's like now I've got all the big guns. I've got all the cheat codes in Doom, but I'm still going to play the lower levels, you know? Yeah. Like I'm, I'm still going to be invincible and just shoot out like all the minions and not ever progress to the next stage. And so what I felt in the movie was that he did level up. He did defeat the vulture by himself. He there was that awesome scene where he has to like lift up all the debris, you know, which sort of threw threw back to like the comics yeah. as as well. And he kind of like he finds that strength, he finds he finds what it means to be Spider-Man and he then plays it out so he does like effectively level up his superhero-ness and he earns it. But then he also then still decides to go back. And it's it's just it's weird to me like you know, I don't. I get it, but then there is this sense of community that he says he leveled up, and now he's gonna he's gonna bring it to his playing field. Yeah, does he say that? It and I I can't remember the conversation at the end, and I don't know if you can because it was a while ago now. But um, his why, you know, Simon Sinek, start with with why when he's having the initial conversation with Tony Stark in his bedroom in Civil War yeah. in um, Captain America Civil War, and Tony asks him like, "Why do you do it?" And they have that conversation about looking out for the little guy i don't know if 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 they brought that back in that decision where he says no to joining the avengers and he said something around like doing it like i need to go back to my my community because i'm all about looking after the little guy i think that would have made sense to me then yeah you know in terms of bringing that skill set yes i've leveled up but again the reason why i'm doing this is not to become an avenger it's because I'm looking out for the for the little guy. So it sort of joins his motivation for doing it in the first place. And so he's leveled up, but he's like, where and why I'm doing this is because I'm looking after my community. So that would have made sense to me. But I don't know if they explicitly said that, or maybe, again, maybe I missed it. Uh, no, no, no. He, but- he words it much more like, um, it's a test by Donnie Stark if he's, you know, it's uh, the, 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 the test of character. Yeah. Like some Indiana Jones Last Crusade thing. <laughs> Only the penitent man shall pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that, that, that was weird to me. Like, that one scene was, the, I think, to me, the the weak spot of the uh, 
of the movie. But the rest of it, I mean, so there's just that weird, weird thing at the end. The rest of it I thought was fantastic. Yeah, especially... Oh, um, please go on. No, the other thing I was going to say was, yes, they stole a lot of Miles Morales' storylines and they kind of shoved into this movie, you know, Miles Morales. And I didn't think, I don't know, like the best friend character, what do you call him? Ned? Yeah, Ned. Oh. I didn't like Ned. Ned was a very no. bad best friend. I thought it was interesting what they did with Mary Jane or MJ. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I quite, in, again, the, from the freshness point of view, I like that they didn't have like the whole Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane yeah. love romantic angle. I thought it was, you know, they, they kept it, they kept the scale simpler, which was good. So, and but I think what was good is that they did kind of lay lay the seeds for it, and then also freshen it up a little bit. So, I thought I thought that that, that was cool, and I loved the switch and bait or the bait and switch with um, like Michael Keaton being the father. Yeah, that was that was that was great because I was watching it and I was enjoying it, and I'm like, how are all these things going to come together? And then he opens the door, and I'm like, oh snap! I yeah, mean, that was. <laughs> I even I knew that before I walked into the movie. Really? Yeah. I was still I was still not surprised, but I still felt the impact of that scene. Right. The the reveal was done yeah. great. Like and it was so it was kind of like out of nowhere as well. Like I didn't know. And so even if you knew, like you didn't know when it was gonna show up. And the way they did it, yeah, it was great. That's that's old man Keaton for us, no? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know. Old man Keaton. That's 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 needs to that needs to be a movie in itself, yeah. I think. <laughs> I have to put this idea out. Get him for a the Dark Knight Returns movie before he's old, old man Keaton. <laughs> Just make a continuation of the 1989, 1989 Batman movie and put it in the Dark Knight Returns thing. I think it would be great in, in seeing him reprise that role as a, as a hardened old Batman. <laughs> that would be very interesting. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be very interesting, you know. Bring back Tim Burton to direct as well. Yeah, just think <laughs> that the scene where he's in the car and the coin drops that he has uh, Spider-Man on his back seat, just with <laughs> yeah. with the light oh. from the traffic light in his face, yeah. and then you know extrapolate that image to Batman. Yeah, you know, inside the Batmobile, Bruce Wayne. Yeah, yeah. Michael. Yeah, Michael Keaton. I mean, he's just getting better and better. Like it's he's always been a like you said. You know, started off with comedy. But um, just over the last couple of years, this is fantastic. So that's why I'm excited for American Assassin. Like, I want to see what he does with that. Because um, <laughs> it's like, again, it's such a, it's like one of these movies that you're expecting to be like, just, it's like a Jason Bourne-esque, another one of these kind of things. Um, but I, I really like Michael Keaton and I really like Dylan O'Brien as well. And the two of them playing, so they're, they're both got those comedy backgrounds, right? But they're both playing these super intense roles. Yeah, <laughs> I just, it's going to. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. I'm gonna get popcorn and just, yeah, and like, just enjoy. I, I, I gotta watch this play out. You know. Two or three days ago, I saw the the movie where, where Michael Keaton plays the contractor that clones himself four times with Andy McDowell. Yeah, I mean, the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> what? what? Yeah. No, oh, he's great. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, um, final thoughts on Spider Man. Uh, I wrote down. I dig that he's not as agile, or is not portrayed as agile as in the in the other movies. The movements feel natural. Yeah, the the movements feel, and and I think especially like this early stage of his Spider-Man career, <laughs> he doesn't contort himself yeah. uh, in poses that feel painful or natural. He just feels like a person. 
Yeah, because I think, you know, the the Andrew Garfield ones emulated the video games a lot, I believe. Yeah. And um, Spider-Man looked very rubbery. Like, yeah. all, all those CGI shots of him floating, like, swinging through the city, he kind of looked like a rubber man that was just sort of being flopped around. Yeah. Whereas I think the combination of Tom Holland's dance and gymnastics background really helped ground the way the movements work in reality. Like the physics of it just felt so much more natural. Yeah. Like you said, he looked like a person. Yeah. <laughs> rather than a rubber than a, a rubber mannequin, you know. And the insta kill bugged me. There was a big gripe I had that it mm-hmm. th- th- didn't feel right for Tony Stark to give a fourteen or fifteen year old boy the feature was locked behind a firewall, which he apparently yeah. cracked. But uh, I, I thought it was yeah. a bit much. Which goes back to the Venom Blast to remind Miles Morales, right? Oh, yeah. So they're effectively like, in order to differentiate this Spider-Man, they stole, I feel, a whole bunch of stuff from Miles Morales's uh, both story and power set. I mean, if the suit allows him to go invisible, then you you know that it's yeah, freaking it's- just Miles. They've just stolen Miles Morales's power set. And then they mention Miles Morales because Donald Glover's character, the Prowler, yeah. says his nephew lives in that neighborhood. In that yeah. neighborhood. I thought, was like, Miles, yeah. show, not tell. One of the things, yeah, <laughs> show me Miles. One of the things I would like to see, though, and I think very similar to the ultimate Spider-Man run in the comics, is I would like to see the story progress and actually do that transition yep. from Peter Parker to Miles Morales. If the movies end up doing that, it would be super cool, which would include what happens to Peter Parker in that story, you know, because I think when we, when we get to the stage where he finally, we, cause we, you know, we've seen like two or three goblin fights already, <laughs> but if we can do the ultimate Spider-Man version of what happens with the goblin uh, and then Miles Morales filling, I don't know, should we do spoilers? Does everyone know yeah, what happens yeah, yeah. in Ultimate Spider-Man? All right, it's this is like spoilers. Ten years. Yeah. Okay. Fine. So Peter Parker dies, right? Yeah. I want to see that fight. I want to see Peter Parker die, and I and I I want to see the mantle passed on. And I can you imagine like after? So you have three. Maybe you do it as a trilogy. Peter Parker effect dies at the end of the third movie, and it's actually Peter Parker's death. But you foreshadowed Miles Morales in the last two movies, so you've seen him as a little boy. So you've heard about him in the first one. Because the Prowler says, I have a nephew. Yeah. In the second one, you see this like little kid. And in the third one, maybe he gets involved. And that's at the point where he gets bitten or whatever. But at the end of the third movie, Peter Parker literally dies. And that's how it ends. And then the next set of movies is the origin story of Miles Morales now taking over that mantle. And I think that would just be so cool. That, that you could do great. Then you do a Miles trilogy, <laughs> right? And then, the, and then you know what happens at the end of the Miles trilogy it's Peter Parker comes back and you're like, what the fuck? You know, that would be cool. Sorry, uh, language warning. <laughs> Clone saga all over again. Yeah, but it's it's like fresher than the Clone yeah. saga, you yeah. know? Because uh, that threw me when I was reading um, Ultimate Spider-Man, like when Peter returns and then the way Peter returns and what happens after he returns was just done really well as well. So I think that would be, I've, I've just plotted out Sony's next nine months. I mean... <laughs> I guess, I guess the, the franchise will be back with, with Marvel by then. It's never going back. Sony owns Spider-Man. Sony owns 10% of Spider-Man, so they're never going to give it up. Yeah. Just like Rick Ashley. <laughs> they're never going to give him up. 
Sorry. Did I just no, rickroll myself? I, I, did I rickroll you or did I rickroll myself? <laughs> that was amazing. Because there's a there's a, a doom metal version of the song online, which I looked on. <laughs> can you can you put the can you put the doom metal version in the in the post? It's, in the it's done. <laughs> I gotta listen to that. <laughs> I love doing like when we do karaoke. That 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 song just I'm, I'm rickroll people. It's great. <laughs> you have to do the dance moves because in, in I've I've seen uh, a video of it where he per- performs live, and the guy's in constant motion because there's no no band behind him, and I just imagine <laughs> him in in this white suit and with all the lights, <laughs> and I just he, he, a guy must have been fit as hell because oh. <laughs> anybody else would have collapsed on that stage after those it's, two minutes. Yeah, but it's not it's not it's not like a super massive energetic dance, right? It's more kind of like he needs to go to the toilet really bad and so he's just moving to like keep himself. From yeah, but he's wiggling with his arms. <laughs> See, <laughs> uh, okay, I haven't seen I haven't seen it. So I'm just remembering the white suit from like the eighties. Like that's yeah. the last time I would have seen it. Alright, cool. <sighs> so that wraps up Spider-Man. So time is getting a little bit short, so I <laughs> should we should we move on to the next um Next topic, which I guess is trailers, trailers. and upcoming movies. So what's got us excited? Uh, so we, we, we just had uh, San Diego Comic Con, right? So there's a whole bunch of stuff that was released and shown, but I guess we'll talk about the highlights. So what was the, what was the biggest thing for you? Um, if we're talking about the highlights, we should cut out the first thing. <laughs> because okay. I don't know. Okay, let's go to the low light. Okay. Uh, Inhumans <laughs> looks like a like they filmed a uh, and I don't want to offend people, but it looks like elaborate cosplay. Yeah. No, and so this is my fear with um this is my fear with Teen Titans as well. Yeah. Like it just looks so bad. Um I don't know. It does look like elaborate cosplay. It looks uh, it's just again, it's got a super a beam TV channel look about it and like ha- have you heard about the press conference no jeff loeb basically at some point shut up the people in attendance and just ask 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 the questions he wanted to hear himself really no nobody's seen it. There, there's even a tweet by some tv critic who was attending who said it's like they are really um they're really trying to push away the thing that this is gonna be a show that's dead after after a season yeah it already looks like a show that's dead on arrival. Yeah. I mean, um, some of the talent's good. I mean, I really like um, Lucy Lawless is in there. Really? I think. Is it? I don't is know. that Lucy Lawless? Uh, who's playing, who's playing um, Medusa? Um, I don't know. I'm sorry. I, didn't I don't know. Last. Hold on. Is it? it I've only, I, don't, I haven't really, really looked this up. Let me look it up really quickly. But then, you know, I've, I've heard that the guy who plays Black Bolt has like a 50 page document on sign language. Which he learned. Really? Yeah, it's really sad to see that some people really try to put, or people really try to put an effort into this. Yeah, okay, it's not Lucy Lawless. It's just, I don't know why I thought it was Lucy Lawless. It's Lawless Lucy. And, <laughs> and <laughs> Sorry. Iwan Rion, so he was uh, the bastard of Bolton, Ramsay Snow in uh, Game of Thrones, and from Misfits, which I thought he was awesome in awesome both in, of those yeah. roles. So he's playing the crazy, the crazy villain villain guy maximus uh, in this one mad. maximus the mad that's the one i knew he was mad <laughs> but oh it just looks terrible it looks so bad it's like it almost looks like like you said like cosplay or crossed with pantomime like i don't know what's going on with this show but 
uh, I don't even know. And, and then they're going to put it in IMAX and I don't know. It looks like we should, we want to fail, but spectacularly, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. moving on because I don't want to waste any more time no, on it's... it. <laughs> but um, yeah, not, not, you know, that's my fear. I hope Teen Titans doesn't go the same path. I hope it doesn't look like bad cosplay. Uh, anyway, yeah. for me, when it comes to highlights, though, when I thought like what, what was like the best things that came out of it it was really there was there was like a four minute justice league reveal which impressed me it's interesting the thing that impresses me about justice league it's just the story now of justice league and its creation like after Zack snyder departing joss whedon coming in and then just changing everything well we don't know how much he's going to change but it's changing a lot like the, res- the, the, the reshoots seem to be extensive. <laughs> they seem to be, it's not just to fill some gaps. And the music's changed from uh, Junkie XL. So the soundtrack and the score okay. from, Jun- from Junkie XL to Danny Elfman is doing it now. So, you know, going from Junkie XL, which does that really intense metal industrial style dark music to Danny Elfman, who's like much more, it's got a lot more levity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. with, with his approach and so like the whole tone of the movie is shifting characters are kind of being redone like apparently like um there was a uh interview with the guy who plays the father of cyborg in the movie and he mentioned that the cyborg character is being lightened up a lot compared to what the original cyborg was going to be like and so it's interesting to watch this thing come together like i was like and then there was a four minute reveal of of stuff that we've seen so wonder woman getting a lot more show like it's almost like the movie's being made in real time in response to what's happening in the industry and fan reaction to like the wonder woman movie and yeah i don't know like it's really it's really interesting to me and so i, I hope the movie doesn't end up being like what suicide squad was which no, was like a no, movie no, which is just a a hack job of like different styles and tones and everything but yeah i mean what's your take the, the footage that they released definitely shows that they progressed in a, in, a, in a positive way, but it still feels it feels artificial. I think that the CGI for Cyborg is still not not working for me. And there's this scene where Aquaman falls through a or, or tumbles the... through a building on the on the power <laughs> yeah. demon, and you clearly see where the CGI ends and Jason Momoa jumped off a table or something like that <laughs> he jumped off the the green screen block yeah i don't know i hope the movie gets good i really hope so at this stage i'm i'm or i'm willing to give them well they're still in post-production and yeah. they're, I mean, technically they're still in production right yeah. so the special effects and i think a, a lot of that stuff hopefully will get better as yeah. they progress towards yeah. the actual release but you can see the tone shifting yeah you can see the tone shifting. So the Hans Zimmer concert that I went to, that was like two weeks ago as well, yeah. right? So we, I don't know if we spoke. Two or three we did, You, you showed think. me some some photos? Or a video? Yeah, we texted. Yeah, because we we did discuss it a little bit. So he played uh, he played the Superman theme, the Man of Steel Superman theme. So he's, he was really awesome because he was like, with his great accent, shall we dip our toe into superhero territory? And the audience just went wild, right? Um, so then he started playing Man of Steel, or the, the orchestra started playing Man of Steel. But then, like, as Man of Steel was playing, like, all the female orchestra members, like, kind of stepped forward. And then it transitioned into the Wonder Woman theme. Okay. And the the Man of Steel theme is super slow and boring. It's just, like, the piano, like, you know, the really brooding emo 
Man of Steel that we had in that movie. Whereas the Wonder Woman theme was just full of energy and it was just so it was so intense and it was so cool. And it's almost like that's the transition, hopefully, that the series is going through. Like it started off with like Man of Steel and uh, Batman v Superman, which was like this super slow, badly paced, intense emo stuff. And then Wonder Woman showed up and it's just like awesome, you know, um, I'm I'm hoping that as we progress into Justice League, it continues that momentum and the transition from like what it was in the early movies to what it is now has a lot more energy. Uh, you know, it's it's doesn't take itself so super seriously as it does before, because I think that's it. DC needs to, you know, it wants to be darker. It wants to differentiate itself from Marvel, which I like. I like the more intense and dark take on the superhero movies because Marvel's not doing that, but they need to find the right balance of those two things because up to, you know, to a point, these are guys in capes running around, you know? So it's not going to be as gritty and intense as they're probably trying to make it be now. But then there is this scene in the, in the teaser where is it Wally West or Barry Allen? Barry, it's Barry Allen. It's Barry Allen in the the movie as well? Yeah. Okay. Where he talks with with Bruce and he mentions that he's way in over his head here because he used to push people and then run away. And I think that's the right balance of darkness that DDC movies need to just acknowledge how these people would behave in a in a realistic environment. I mean even yeah. if he's working with the police, I don't know if he's if he's a a CSI guy in the yeah. in in the movies as well. But you know that's a, a at least for me, that's the 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 perfect the perfect pitch to where where reality and this fictional world should meet. Yeah, and yeah, and and sort of like showing the absurdity of it. You know, yeah. like you said, it's 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 a it's a great balance. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how how they play that through. Like I think the Flash in this movie, especially with Ezra Miller playing him, is going to be kind of the uh, the Joker of the team. Yeah. You know. So I think you know we ho- hopefully we can continue to get a lot of those those moments with the Flash. What we're also seeing though is like like Aquaman also has his own sense of like humor. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, like it's a more kind of like it feels a little bit more of like kind of like he's he's more of a dude. <laughs> like like yeah. even with the surfing yeah. surfing the parademon through the building and then like jumping off and just kind of like flicking his hair out like he just came out of a wave. You know, like I thought. I enjoy that moment. No, no, it looks <laughs> it looks great, but I think it's it's kind of it's a misappropriation for for Aquaman. But then Wonder Woman is very regal in her very regal, very straight. I don't want to say cold, but there's a a certain air of distance. I mean, look, to to she's 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 a Wonder god, Woman, right? Yeah. She's yeah. she's the daughter of Zeus. Yeah, I think that's gonna work. Well, no, no, it, I think it, it, it'll that's, definitely work. Because I think that's a part of the team dynamic, is they're all so different. Yeah. If they were all the same, it's kind of like, it'll be boring. They need to be different. And I think that's what sets the Justice League apart from, I mean, not, not so much the Avengers, because they're like that roster is completely different. But they all stand for something different, but they unite yeah. together. And I think, you know, <laughs> so my analogy, which is going to be really bad, <laughs> because, you know, which one begats the other? But that's what made the Spice Girls so interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Is that they were all individuals, right? And it was all about understanding those differences and coming together. (laughs) I can't believe I just said that. 
But, it's amazing. Um, you're, you know, you're, you're <laughs> upping your game with every word you say. It's amazing. This is what happens when I don't eat. I haven't had breakfast yet. Anyway. <laughs> I'm having a sugar crash right because now. Because I thought of the Avengers as a team of contractors that come to fix your house. Yeah. While the Justice League is like, you know, a more political group, like a team of troubleshooters that fixes governments. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and not just that. I, I mean, to me, the Justice League has a much stronger sense of purpose. Yeah. You know, I think because the Justice League all come together as volunteers. And especially like maybe as the Justice League expands, you know, you can say that kind of is different. But <laughs> Simon Sinek, start with why. Their reason for being there, you know, is very much deeply ingrained with all of them. And they come together to face those massive challenges. Whereas I think the Avengers, um, like you said, they do have a sense of contract. Like their relationships define more who the Avengers are more than... Because like the Marvel Universe is, has a lot more ideological and relationship uh, nuances compared to, in my opinion, the DC Universe, you know? Uh, the 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 DC side of things is a lot more black and white in terms of good and evil, you know. That's just the way I see it. Yeah. So. But it really it really feels that way. It feels like the Justice League, uh, the Justice League. It feels like the Avengers get casted like the Spice Girls, <laughs> <laughs> uh, while uh, the Justice League are like, and I don't know any big pop band that you know met during high school and are very different characters but learn to work together through music. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Josie and the Pussycats? Yeah, Josie. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Cool. So anyway, so the, I'm very in, very much interested in Justice League, but more for the story of the Justice League. But the thing, the, the movie that I'm looking forward to is Thor Ragnarok. I think that yes. is continuing to look super fantastic. Yes. That will probably be, probably be the movie of the year. In terms of, of genre movies, because even, even the trailer, and I, I put it in the show notes, but there has been an exhibition where they show um, some of the costumes and the, the wallpaper from the Grandmaster's uh, office or lounge. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. amazing. The whole thing. The, looks just amazing. the viewing platform, like where they were all yeah. sitting to watch so, yeah. the fight, right? Yeah. Looks amazing. Even the, the guards, the, the costumes, the guards were, they look like they just stepped off the page. <laughs> like, yeah. you know yeah the the design and the attention to detail like in the way they put that movie together looks fantastic yeah. and I, you know i think there was even a difference in between the two trailers that we saw so the initial trailer that came out ages ago where thor sees hulk for the first yeah. time and he's like yes and uh when they redo that scene now and thor's kind of telling him what what, what kind of a day he's had you know <laughs> that's fantastic but like hulk looks so much better i thought like even between those two trailers yeah. the cgi yeah. Improves so lot. much, and I wonder if if we get some kind of the, the the Gray Hulk situation where Banner or Banner remains more in control, or the Hulk gets more aware. Or, or yeah, well, we're starting to see that, right? Because yeah. with the, at the end of the trailer, the Hulk actually talks, so they're having that conversation about fire. And, you know, the Hulk. I, I'm not, not going to redo the the conversation, but that was fantastic. Yeah. Like, so you can see Hulk is starting to become like more. Um, like you said, aware, uh, more communicative rather than just grunting and snarling at people. I mean, that's my favorite kind of Hulk. Yeah. Not that when Banner's in control, but where he gets a sense of agency beyond yeah. the I'm angry, Hulk smash. 
And I think with, with, with where this movie is going, if you're going to make a buddy movie with the Hulk and Thor, you need, you need them to both be at least on like equal terms intellectually. You know, <laughs> They need to be able to communicate in order to be buddies. Like, otherwise, Hulk is just, like you said, he's just a rage monster, literally. So, yes. It's going to work. So, it's gonna, it, looks so it looks so cool. Uh, Kate Blanchett as Hela just looks it's awesome. Amazing. I can't wait to amazing. see her. Yeah. Like, some of those scenes, like, you know, you talked about, like, metal a lot in in the podcast today but some of those scenes where hell is facing off the valkyrie they look like those like 1970s metal record covers yeah, they look like like a, like just, a kim king crimson album cover or yes something yeah i'm like this, this those mashup of like so many different things all coming together and but all working yeah. so perfectly in in harmony Yeah, it's it looks fantastic. Like I can't, I really can't wait for this movie. The thing with Hela is they even got the costume to the yeah. full. Yeah, oh that gear. head, that headpiece looks looks awesome. <laughs> and she looks like she's having so much of fun in that role too. Like Kate, Kate Blanchett, it's just she looks like she's fully enjoying it. <laughs> and that that's the thing because I don't know with whom I talked about it, and I said yeah, and and Kate Blanchett is playing the villain in this movie. That Kate Blanchett is playing yeah. the villain in a superhero movie. What yeah. is happening? Caladriel? Again, you know, going back to my Lord of the Rings obsession lately, this is what happens when Galadriel takes the One Ring of Power. You know, she, <laughs> ends up becoming, she ends up becoming the, the, the god, god of death. death. Speaking of which, though, that was also awesome. Uh, at the end is when she's kind of got, like, Thor by the throat, and she's like, what were you the god of again? And then he come, you know... You get the thunder and lightning, and he 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 goes into Avatar state. Yeah, like, I'm like, oh, that's gonna be supreme. That's gonna be really cool. Yeah, and I wonder how how the because the the film is supposed to have like uh, an 85 minute or 80 minute runtime. All right. So, so I imagine it being like you know that the pacing must be all over the place. Super, yeah, that's gonna be. Yeah, I mean, it'll be cool. I hope you know that sense of they that momentum just pulls the movie through like it's going to be one of the i hope it's one of those experiences where you're like you just don't want it to end but it, you know because things are just going there's so much happening and you're like just enjoying it so much yeah time flies when you're having fun kind of thing and where i just where you leave the the experience exhausted even though you're sat in, in a chair yeah so i i can't wait for it what what's cool as well is, is that this is gonna be the final thor movie right like there's no more thor solo movies after this Oh, I think, yes. So this is the last one. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, so I, I don't know what they're going to do with the Thor. I mean, he's, I think he's clearly going to be in Avengers, obviously. Um, but I think from a solo point of view, this is it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next. Yeah. I was watching a YouTube video, which I wanted to bring up, and I'll try to find the link so I can send you that in the show notes. But it was talking about the, like, Avatar, The Last Airbender. Yeah. And the, the escalation of power, which is what made Avatar so good, is... You know, Aang, Aang has a very clear goal in terms of trying to learn the four the, the four elements. And when he is finally able to achieve that and control being in the Avatar state, the show ends. Like when, you know, he, 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 he reaches a level of power, which effectively makes him a god, and then the show ends. Whereas on the flip side, I think Korra... She got into the Avastar state and she could control it quite early. And so the show kind of didn't have anywhere to go with that because she was already like this godlike figure. And so I've been thinking about that a lot in terms of like these movies and stuff. And so it's quite interesting that Thor 
has always been like seen as the god of lightning and been referred to as the god of lightning. But with this final movie for his story, he effectively becomes the god. <laughs> you know, he like it's like Wonder Woman because this is this is the, the weird thing with Wonder Woman, right? As well, is she achieves her god state at the end of the Wonder Woman movie, but in in like now in you know in Justice League, is she still going to have that power set? Like, is that going to be something that she can tap into and call at will? Or not, like, you know, it's it's going to be weird if she takes a step back as well, goes back to just running around rather than having the power of flight. You yeah, know? especially with the odds that they would be facing in the Justice League movie, which is Steppenwolf, so the new gods show up. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the devil is sending basically a demon or his yeah. his chief his, warmonger. His chief, yeah, his chief, chief among minions. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. so it, I mean, so I'll... I'll send you the link to the youtube video it was, it was, it was quite interesting just thinking about that and again in terms of story and character right is that once you've achieved that level where do you go from there like the because on the flip side uh it means that the bad guys also need to escalate and so you know you can't have one side become all powerful and then the other side not be able to have that symmetry because there's no more contest yeah so it's quite interesting then to see how thor ends and where he you know where he goes after this and it being the final of his trilogy of movies it's it's a good place to end his character arc so when we see him again hopefully he retains that power set but it's thanos with the infinity stones and so the stakes are raised once again and so even though he's now at god level yeah. <laughs> it's still it's still not a um it's still a contest yeah, hmm. anyway, yeah that'll, that'll be about. interesting especially in um you know at some point they have to reboot recast they have to stay fresh in some way because the actors are not getting any younger. Yeah. And so on and so on. Yeah. I mean, because, I mean, I, I, you know. You know, as Elton John put it, from the day we arrive on the planet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> exactly, you know. <laughs> and so on and so on. And so Can on. Can you feel the love tonight? <laughs> yeah. Uh, well... I'm feeling love for Star Wars, so there's a lot going on in that, on, yeah. <laughs> in that world. So there's, a, I mean, we had Chris Lord and Phil Miller have left Han Solo. Yeah, movie that nobody needs gets new director. <laughs> uh, the, the yeah, I mean, again, yeah. taking the risk there. So Ron Howard is taken over. Yeah. So I mean, what what's your what's your feeling around that? He's a a an accomplished director, and I think he will produce something that's fun. Uh, but it shows a weakness because they must have been aware of what Chris Lord and Phil Miller uh, have done and how they work. Right. It feels like uh, like a, a pissing contest between the powers that be. Uh, yeah. And and the directors and directors lost lost the contest basically. And now yeah, I know. For sure. Yeah. It's effectively a battle between the Empire yeah. <laughs> and the and the Rebellion, right? I think you know it's it kind of shows that like um. Who's is it? Kathleen Kennedy yeah. is the she's in charge of the Lucasfilm, effectively. Um, and it's almost like you know D Disney being the corporate empire that it is has a very clear vision for where they want these things to go, and so they bring in these directors, but the directors need to be controlled as well in terms of making sure that they get to the vision and they achieve it in the way that Disney intends. And I think one of the things, you know, it's a shot, it's not so much a shot across the bow because it's, it's an, it's an actual direct hit is that by doing this, Kathleen Kennedy just, you know, has proven, look, I'm not going to take lip from anyone. 
this is the way I, I want it done. And be this a warning to every other director that comes down the line. If you're not towing the line, this is what's going to happen. And I think, you know, Marvel w- with Edgar Wright went down a similar path as well. Yeah, but I think Edgar Wright left on his, on his own devices. Um, it or, or was it, he fired? It, it, I don't it know. Wasn't, it wasn't as, uh, I think the, because, I mean, that was really the first time it happened. But the message was very much muddled when that happened. Um, Edgar Wright left because Marvel wanted him to do things that he didn't want to do. So he decided to walk away rather than towing the line. So it wasn't, it didn't get to the point where Marvel had to fire him. He did walk away, so he didn't leave of his own accord. But at the same time, he left because he wasn't being allowed to do what he wanted to do. I mean, props to those people to retain, or to Edgar Wright in this case, that he stood up and, you know, he walked the walk to its ultimate conclusion. But in yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, yeah, it's it, it, it's it, it's an interesting one. We want fresh content. We we want there to be good quality movies coming out, but we're also so invested in the universes that are being created that we you can't afford to have your directors taking it in different directions. Like you can't afford for the for the MCU to snowflake out into so many different visions because. We know that Feige's vision <laughs> is what's is what's making everyone excited, and all these movies. The fact that they're all bending towards this one goal is um is what's part of what makes it exciting, right? If Ant Man went completely different and had nothing to do with the rest of it, it'll feel like, well, you know, what? How does that? Work? How does that fit? It's going to open a whole bunch of other questions, you know. And it'll be interesting to see how how it will affect James Gunn because now he's like the golden boy because he doesn't have to play nice with anything else in the Marvel Universe. But how will how will uh, his trajectory look after Infinity War and the Guardians are introduced into the larger Marvel Cinematic Universe? Yeah, it'll be interesting. Like, I think after the Avengers, the next set of movies, I don't know what the next... Because it's like, I don't know what the set of things is going to look like. Yeah. And it's almost like you're going to get a whole new creative team that comes in to plot out the next... 20 years you know because um everything you know who the avengers are the team lineup the roster it's going to change all these actors contracts are coming up like robert downey jr i think thor potentially only has like ragnarok and then the next and then two more movies on his contract then he's up for renegotiation um and that's where they could effectively start looking at you know progressing the characters like you said either killing some off replacing others benching some bringing in new characters. Um, so it'll be very interesting to see what happens. It's so absurd. We, again. And, uh, yeah. Sorry. And we kind of, we, sorry, we, we kind of left from Star Wars to go back to like <laughs> Marvel. But. No, no, it's the, it's the same franchise. Uh, I mean, it's the same, uh, the same company because you clearly, you clearly see with the uh, guy who directed Jurassic World is doing episode nine. Yeah. And I can't, uh, I mean, now I even, I understand I understand this decision even even better because it's like with Garrett Edwards on Rogue One, he won't give Marvel any lip, right? Because he clearly knows his limitations at at, at this stage of his career. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. So it'll be. I mean, that's that's the interesting part to see, like how how these people react and how how Marvel and Disney and Lucasfilm proceed. Yeah. And I just realized because I'm interested in what uh, Ryan Johnson 
is going to say about working on episode eight in a couple of years, because this summer, Phil Rinsler, the guy who did all the making of Star Wars books, started a blog about his time at Lucasfilm. He 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 stopped uh, working at Lucasfilms after the after they sold uh, they sold to Marvel. Yeah, and it's interesting because that blog has been taken down. Oh right. Yeah, and it's it's not that he. He didn't outright trash Lucasfilm or any of the employees, but it gave uh, it gave an an outsider a rather neutral perspective of the the machinations and and what 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 hangs on on the workings right of of a movie like 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 Star Wars. And it was interesting to to get uh, a bit of the magic taken taken away from from one or the 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 tinted glasses. Got, got, yeah, yeah. got taken away and got replaced yeah. by, by a sense of, of reality. It would be interesting because I think Ryan Johnson is somebody is a very opinionated person. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm I'm happy for him to see him work on a Star Wars movie and get his name out there, I'm I'm also asking myself uh how how much he had to compromise his vision for the for the movie. Yeah. To to come out at the end. Yeah. I don't know. The previews of of episode eight look look interesting. Uh, there's a lot of interesting choices being made, but yeah, I think like you said, in about two years' time, we're going to start getting like the real story behind what actually happened. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Cool. All right. So should we just record the ending? Then yeah. I can, just I can, I can I can I can run off. Okay. Let's let's do the ending. Um. Now we have to enter in a uh, because of natural. Uh, see if we hadn't had. No. The... I mean, look. I mean, we we were talking about Star Wars before, so. I think time record in terms of the ending, but I mean, my, my thought on what's coming up with Star Wars, you know, uh, with Rian, Rian yeah. Johnson, Ryan, uh, uh, Ryan, Rian, in- it's a, like it's a South African name. Yeah. I should know how to say it, but I don't know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, cause there's, there's this, there's the Star Wars story itself right? There's the plot of the character arcs of like Ray and Finn and all the characters on one level. And then there's also all of the drama and politics of what's happening from a production point of view. And we, you know, it's like we're following both of those stories. And I think we we spent all this time talking about the politics level and not the character story level. Like it's quite, it's quite interesting. To me, that's as interesting. Yeah. And I think it's changing the way films are made, clearly. Like, you know, the, the model of how films are made now, because the studios are having an increasing level of um, input and, you know, and, and, increase and, uh, and a much larger set of requirements for what they need these franchises to be. So it's quite, it's quite interesting. And I think that's, that's where you kind of, it's almost like the merger of TV and film because you go, you have this showrunner <laughs> that's running things and then every director has to do what the episode's going to require it to do. Yeah. It's interesting. It's a convergence. And so I think that was that model converging and also the convergence of the technology from a streaming point of view is that you, you can almost see these studios are now effectively creating super TV shows because they're like running. It's like you could, you could almost say that, what Marvel is about to finish with Avengers 4 is the end of its season one. Yes. You know? Yes. Like everything has led up to this point and then season two is going to look completely different. And then the same with Star Wars. Like it'll get to episode nine 
And then that'll be like, okay, so what's the next trilogy or what's the next set of stories you're going to tell? How will they approach it? Because the thing is, we're talking more about the machinations behind the movies because we don't know anything about the movies. We just got get these glimpses. And yeah, exactly. Marvel's, uh, sorry, Lucasfilm, super secretive about, which sometimes can be detrimental Yeah. Uh, because the surprises are too surprising and people are not prepared for them. Like Ray being the main character and being the Jedi in Force Awakens. You yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, a, a lot of people were like, what? Anyway. Cool. So yeah, that's, uh, you know, a, a lot of stuff to watch. And uh, I'm sure we're going to have a lot more discussions going forward. Yes. <laughs> a lot <laughs> more like, discussions. Fear in his voice. Yeah. And with that, we've kind of come to the end of this episode. So thank you for following along. Thank you so much. And yes, yeah, so hopefully no, I'm not going to get sick uh, in the no. next couple of weeks. And then we can continue Asteroids being in exile. In exile, yeah. Continue being awesome. <laughs> Soon with awesome. a screaming well, cool. baby in the background. It was very painful. Um, I, you know, it's not like one of those things where you can. Um, um, it's not like one of those things where you can like do stuff. Like I couldn't even watch TV because I had this like massive pounding headache for like the whole, pretty much the whole time for a week, um, and I had muscle aches. So I couldn't like everything like hurt to just like all your muscles and your your, your body. So I would just lie there in silence in the dark. You know, <laughs> yeah. Because like, seriously, like the light sensitivity. I, like, I, I tried to watch Netflix and stuff, and I just couldn't because it, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> it it messes with your nervous system, yeah. right? So they, they they tell you that, but like, what does that mean? You know, it's like the difference between when you say I'm driving rotary, um, like driving a rotary engine car. It's like you, it's got linear acceleration, but what does that actually mean? You know. <laughs> yeah. um, You get these shivers and waves that go up and down your body, right? But worse than that, you get the sensation of like being touched and like, like just like stuff like creeping down your body and like down your face and your hands and your back. But it feels like it feels like claws. <laughs> Are you sure you didn't just go to a to a preview of it? <laughs> so this is the thing because. Leading up to this, before I got sick, I was watching Castlevania on Netflix. So <laughs> all the fever dreams that I'm having are like vampire demons, you know, like attacking me. And I'm like, I, I just should stop watching TV. Like <laughs> we should, uh, we should inform one Alice about that. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> That's the only reason I kept on going is because Warren Ellis was involved. So. <laughs> Anyway, I stopped watching Castlevania and haven't gone back to it. <laughs> I just watched Castlevania last week. Oh, right. Did yeah. you finish it? Yeah.
I thought it would take up like a week. Yeah. Yet it only took up two hours. <laughs> oh, you watched it in a binge? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. Was it good? Like, does did, does it end well? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, one alias kept me going. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's it's really weird. Um, when you when you watch the ultrasound of of the kid at 12 weeks, it looks like one of Terry Gilliam's uh, cutout animations. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> really weird. Just this. <laughs> Weird, and weird the hand move. super fast as well. Yeah, it's, bomb. it's amazing. It's like this. It's like a black hole that, that yeah. keeps expanding with 160 beats per, per Oh, wow. It's, it's amazing because I thought um, it was because of the distress caused by the, the ultrasonic probe. But it's regular. It's, it's about 100. It's between 144 and 160 beats per minute. Wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's like a muscle. It is the heart's a muscle, right? So yep. that's just it working out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just going. It's just getting. I need to get huge. <laughs> <laughs> I need to get huge. <laughs> I need to work for seventy years. Yeah, it's like it's got like, you know, it's got that Schwarzenegger. I'm just you know because <laughs> every muscle builder has a Schwarzenegger accent, right? <laughs> <laughs> Must get big, you know. So yes, you can bring that into the ultrasound chamber next time you get out. Yeah, must get huge. <laughs> Eyes to see you. Eyes to see you. 